folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. We're back for episode 202, or actually the 203rd episode, for those of you counting, because we did start at episode 0, so watch out for an off by 1 there. But uh, yeah, so this week I did want to have a look at uh, some updates that have come uh, recently for the App Armor project, both on the user space and kernel space side. Plus, we'll do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. In particular, there are a few nice uh, vulnerabilities to dig into there. So let's just get started with that. There were 50 unique CVEs addressed by the team. And up first was an update for the account service package. And so this is for uh, all the more recent Ubuntu releases. So from 2004 LTS onwards. So it's for a single CVE that was reported to us by Kevin Backhouse from the GitHub Security Lab. Now, account service is a package that provides a debug service uh, to have certain APIs and things to allow uh, different accounts to be created, not surprisingly. So things like add, remove, or modify accounts, that kind of thing. It uses things like the user add and user mod commands uh, in the back end to do that. And you can imagine it runs a privileged service, it's running as root, and then you have this debus API that things like GNOME Control Center, the graphical utility that allows you to say, uh, you know, add a new account or whatever it is under GNOME uh, to be able to talk to that. And so it's not just uh, adding in accounts and the like, you can also configure things like the locale and language settings as well for your user. So it has certain APIs for that as well. And uh, in Ubuntu, we wanted to make sure that that still supported uh, the more traditional PAM environment file. And so we actually had a custom patch against account service that uh, would, as the daemon, it would drop its privileges to the user and then go and write out uh, those appropriate settings into their PAM environment file. So that would be uh, synchronized with the settings that you would set through the GUI and whatnot. Uh, it turned out, though, uh, that there was uh, a bunch of use after freeze that happened as a result of the way that uh, the processing of those dbus messages was done uh, as in that custom patch that we'd written. And so this vulnerability was only in Ubuntu. It didn't affect other distros unless they were shipping our patch, I suppose. Um, but yeah, and so that has now been fixed. Uh, but yeah, as it was, uh, it was an uh, use after free that you could at least trigger a crash in the accounts daemon process that runs as root. And you could imagine because it's use after free, you could possibly get code execution although uh, Kevin hadn't been able to demonstrate that but that's you know that's kind of uh, academic really so yeah that one was fixed for account service so I guess uh, just interesting to look at uh, I guess we always need to be careful whenever we write additional code to make sure that that's uh, as secure as can be uh, after that, we had updates for the kernel. So thanks as always to the kernel team. Uh, in this case, we had an update uh, for a couple of kernels in our uh, ESM, so for Ubuntu Pro users for both 16.04 and 18.04 there. Uh, we published a kernel update a few weeks ago, but it turned out that there was uh, an extra debug message basically that was left in there that would uh, print out a spurious warning uh, when different things happened in the IPv6 subsystem. That has now uh, been resolved. Uh, plus, we had an update for the kernel in 2210. Uh, it's also the hardware enablement kernel in 2204 LTS for a couple of different high priority uh, vulnerabilities. Now, one of them was an off by one error in the flower network traffic classifier. And so this is a flow-based traffic control filter. It essentially allows you to define a flow as a set of key value pairs. So that's things like uh, like a source MAC address maybe or uh, the destination port number or whatever it might be. You can kind of define what a flow is and therefore uh, apply different kind of traffic control policies on top of that for all the traffic that matches it. Uh, it turned out that off by one uh, could be leveraged for denial of service or code execution because it was uh, out of bounds fright as it turned out. 
There was a proof of concept that was posted publicly, uh, but even then that stated that it didn't even actually crash the kernel. So it's you know, interesting, I guess, to think about this thing, you've gotten off by one, that's the end of uh, some buffer that you know, that memory is probably still mapped and maybe it doesn't even have anything adjacent to it that you can write into, and which was clearly the case in this, uh, or it was something that was innocuous that you could write into, but you could observe the out-of-bounds write via GDB, the reporter stated, but I suppose someone else could take that proof of concept and turn it into something more weaponized. Uh, but that's kind of always interesting. And uh, there was another vulnerability in a mishandling of locking in the IOU ring subsystem. And IOU ring can be uh, used by a local unprivileged uh, user. So a local attacker could then use that to trigger a deadlock in the kernel and therefore a denial of service. And there was another security issue here that uh, hasn't been assigned to CVE, at least not yet, uh, around the handling of uh, page table entries. So uh, back in the days of uh, Meltdown, uh, the Meltdown vulnerability, uh, there was this new uh, KPTI, kernel page table isolation mechanism added to the kernel where essentially the user space and kernel space would have their own different page tables that would get uh, swapped in and out uh, when you switched from kernel to, uh, user space to kernel space and back again. And that had a certain uh, performance uh, impact as a result, uh, you know, having to flush those page tables uh, on every entry and exit to and from kernel space. So uh, hardware manufacturers came up with uh, these PCIDs, it's essentially a hardware feature uh, that's in more recent Intel processors that try to minimize that cost by uh, kind of tagging uh, the page tables such that uh, you flush them only on exit back to user space and that's then done by issuing of a new uh, INV LPG or involved in, I guess it's invalidate page tables instruction. Uh, but it was found that on certain hardware platforms that didn't actually flush the global uh, translation lookaside buffer contrary to expectations. And so you could therefore leak potentially kernel memory back to user space uh, through those page table mappings. That was fixed to do that more in a software mechanism. Uh, that does mean it does have a bit of a performance impact uh, upgrading to this kernel, but you are now uh, safer from that, I guess, potential bypass of the old meltdown uh, mitigations that were put in place. We also had an update for our OEM kernel that also rolled in both that IOU ring and uh, the TC flower uh, fix plus an out-of-bounds read in the InfiniBand RDMA driver. So that could lead to denial of service and an info leak. Uh, plus, I think both the uh, KBTI-related vulnerability and the uh, traffic classifier vulnerability were fixed in a heap of our other kernels as well. Moving on from that, we had an update for Vim. So more Vim fuzzing results have been fixed across Vim uh, in, in this case, 2204. Uh, in this case, uh, we've got what a fix for an out-of-bounds read, a use after free, uh, some heat buffer overflows, null pointer references, and the like. They've all been fixed for Vim in 2204. Uh, we had an update for uh, Report Lab for a single CVE. I actually talked about Report Lab uh, many episodes ago, back in episode 62 for a vulnerability, and this is, I guess, a riff on that one. Uh, so this update is for Report Lab all the way back to 2004 LTS and those since. Uh, as I say, this is a Python library for producing PDFs. It's often used to convert HTML to PDFs, but not just HTML, other document types as well. It's used by a lot of other applications. And so lots of ways you could potentially uh, get access to this vulnerability. So as I say, this is based on a CVE from 2019. Uh, in that case, uh, it was a remote code execution vulnerability because uh, essentially Report Lab would call the Python eval function uh, directly on a value that was obtained in an XML document. And it did 
this because it wanted to be able to support lots of different ways of specifying, as it turned out, a color value. So not just like say RGB values, but you could have like uh, as a CMYK and that kind of thing. And you would essentially use like a Python class underneath to do that conversion by calling a vow on it. Now, obviously in that case, uh, you could then essentially write any other Python code and that would get a vowed and that's a very easy remote code execution vulnerability. And so what the upstream report lab uh, developers did, they introduced, I guess, a complex validation scheme to try to make that eval be a lot safer, but so that they could still use eval under the hood. And uh, in this case, uh, the reporter now has found a way to bypass that. Uh, and so what the upstream developers have now done, which is really good to see, is that they essentially removed that eval functionality entirely. Uh, they've got a much stricter, uh, kind of simpler parsing mechanism uh, to parse that color value and only have a much limited subset of things that you could specify there. Uh, but it does mean that you can't easily avow that now. Um, the avow functionality is still there by the looks of things hidden behind like a feature flag. So if you did uh, need to support uh, more complex ways of specifying colors, you could still turn that on. And I guess it may still present some risk, but yeah, I do like that the default has now been changed to not be using avow in any way, which is really good to see. What else? We had an update for OpenLDAP in a bunch of our uh, ESM releases for, for our Ubuntu Pro customers. Uh, it was a null pointed reference that could be triggered in certain so circumstances if OpenLDAP failed to allocate memory during various string handling operations. Essentially, it would uh, go and do a malloc and then run stirdoop after that and uh, pass that the null pointer that would say be the failed memory allocation from uh, malloc. Uh, and so, a yeah, null pointed reference quite easily. But you obviously need uh, to be under probably memory pressure in the first place to have that memory allocation fail uh, in the first place and so yeah we'd need a memory leak bug or something else uh, to be combined with that to actually have any chance of leveraging this one uh, what else? We had an update for screen, GNU screen, uh, the common, I guess, uh, command line utility for um, multiplexing uh, terminal sessions. Uh, in this case, it uh, didn't really affect Ubuntu. Uh, screen had to be set UID root for this to have any impact, but basically um, screen provides an API to allow the processes that are under its control to be, say, uh, killed from another session that allows you to you know, start up a screen session, say over SSH, and then say SSH in again, and you know maybe kill that old screen session or the like, or kill, should I say kill the process it's running under that screen session. And so if screen was set UID root, screen's then running as root, uh, and you can therefore send it essentially this kill command and specify some other process and it would just go and kill that for you. Uh, actually, it's not a kill, it's uh, sending it a sick hub, but yeah, essentially you can say as an unprivileged user then you can execute screen and send a sick hub to any other root running process on uh, your machine. So that was fixed to make sure it properly checked permissions. But as I say, on Ubuntu, this isn't really an issue because screen is not set UID root. Uh, so yeah, it does affect some other platforms like FreeBSD and the like, but yeah, not really an issue for us. But if you had gone and set screen, set UID root, you're now a bit uh, safer for that. We had an update for uh, PHP. In this case, uh, it was an issue in uh, nonce generation when uh, calculating HTTP digest uh, during SOAP authentication. In that case, uh, it would generate a random nonce uh, by calling you know, this sort of get random data function, but it wouldn't check the return value from that. As such, if that failed, uh, then there wouldn't be any re uh, random data returned. Uh, that buffer that it had allocated on the stack wouldn't be initialized at all. And the contents of that would then be used as the nonce directly. What that would mean is that uh, you know, maybe it was some uninitialized memory of whatever was previously contained there. So you could get some kind of info leak as a result of that memory contents, or maybe it was all zeros. So now you've got a really predictable nonce value that's being generated. Either way, uh, that has now been fixed to make sure that it's appropriately uh, checked that return value and uh, you know, bail out if in the case that you couldn't get a nonce. 
image magic was updated. Uh, now, yeah, it is time for another, I guess, frequent uh, frequent flyer on the podcast, Image Magic. I seem to talk about Image Magic every 10 or so episodes. And so, yeah, it's time again. And in this case, uh, we've fixed 20 CBEs here and they go all the way back to 1604 and all the releases in between. Uh, and so not all these 20 have been fixed across all the releases. It just depends. But a lot of them have gone, uh, a lot of them gone in. Uh, as I say, a huge range of CVs fixed here. Uh, these include things like an out-of-bounds read, uh, stack buffer overflows, null pointed references, lots of heap buffer overflows as well that have been rolled in there. Now, uh, Image Magic is in universe in our more recent releases. And so that means, say, in Ubuntu 2004, uh, since Ubuntu 2004 LTS, uh, now that it's in universe, those updates go to Ubuntu Pro. So if you're an Ubuntu Pro subscriber, you have got those uh, those updates as well for 2004. And if you're not, you can sign up for free. So just go to ubuntu.com slash pro. But enough of that spiel. Uh, what else? Firefox was updated to the latest upstream release, 1.15. This has uh, the usual kind of mix of uh, things that we see for web browsers. So things like uh, if you visit an attacker-controlled domain, they could potentially cause a denial of service against you or uh, bypass different uh, domain origin policies or get remote code execution, all these usual nice things that we you know, don't like to see in our web browsers uh, that have been fixed. Plus, uh, there were some more, I guess, uh, interesting issues like uh, the ability to potentially bypass cookie storage protection uh, where if you you know configured to not store cookies it would actually would for particular websites uh, also the ability to perform spoofing attacks through uh, full screen notifications and a few other things as well were fixed for Firefox there Containerd was updated for a couple of different CVEs and again this update goes all the way back to 1604 uh, under Ubuntu Pro plus uh, all the way through to 2304 the most recent interim release the Luna Lobster Let's say two different CVEs here. Uh, one of them was a denial of service that, that could be triggered when importing a crafted OCI image with a really large manifest or an image layout file. Essentially, it would uh, use the uh, JSON parser uh, to parse that all into memory and it didn't place any limits on that. And so that would then mean that you know, if that was really large, it would then exceed all the memory of, uh, say, the container D process had allocated to it and uh, would potentially crash. The fix there was to place a limit of that up to 20 megs. So hopefully no one's trying to parse a real image, I suppose, with more than a 20 meg manifest file. And uh, the last thing updated this week was Django for a single CVE. In this case, it was a regular expression denial of service vulnerability uh, in the email validator and the URL validator classes. Uh, both of those used a regex to parse, in this case, obviously an email or a URL. In this case, uh, they fixed it just by uh, putting some limits on the lengths of inputs that could be uh, handled there. Uh, say in the case of email RFC 3696 uh, that defines email essentially, uh, defines that as 320 characters as maximum for email. So they just reject anything that's longer than that, which is a good way of doing that. Plus they've just put an arbitrary limit of 2K for a URL, which certainly 2K sounds like long enough for anyone to specify a URL, I would have thought. Uh, so yeah, they've been fixed for Django. Okay, and that is it for the week in security updates. Okay, so the other thing that I wanted to talk about this week was a couple updates that have come for the AppArmor project recently. So it was recently announced that uh, Upstream AppArmor, and that's uh, John Johansson and Georgia Garcia on our team, plus contributors uh, from outside and elsewhere, have been working on a new Upstream release 4.0 Alpha 1. So uh, the current, I guess, uh, development releases of AppArmor have been the 3.0 cycle, and they included a bunch of new features, but 4.0, I guess, is including a bunch more, particularly around a number of new, I guess, kind of helpers for uh, being more expressive in policy, plus the ability to mediate uh, other things 
that uh, previously weren't available. So uh, they've described this as, I guess, a bridge between the old 3.0 style policy and the new 4.0 policy. Uh, as such, uh, for various features there, you will need uh, newer kernel support. So traditionally, AppArmor you know, works across a lot of different kernel versions, but obviously, if it's trying to mediate new uh, elements in the kernel, you need corresponding support in your kernel to do that. Now, uh, two of the big things here are two new profile flags. So traditionally, when you define an AppArmor profile, you might put it, say, in complain mode, which is a profile flag. And that then says to essentially kind of not deny anything and allow allow everything, but at the same time, log it to the syslog. And that then allows you to develop your, um, your profile over time so that you can essentially not impede the behavior of the application, but you can then catch whatever would have been denied and therefore you can then update your policy to allow that. And over time, you kind of whittle that away so that it's not producing any more uh, errors while it runs or any more, should I say, and not producing any more kind of uh, log messages while it's running of things that were denied. And uh, then you can turn it into enforcing mode so that when actually it goes and does something that was unexpected, that then gets blocked. Uh, now, so this new, two new profile flags, one called unconfined and one called debug. So debug is relatively straightforward. The idea there is that, so you put just the policy itself into a debug mode rather than putting, say, the whole kernel side of AppArmor into a debug mode. And that then allows you to debug just, or debug the kernel side of AppArmor against just that policy rather than having kind of uh, debug messages printed for everything that AppArmor kernel is doing no matter what policy it was triggered on. The other one of those, unconfined, now that's a little more, I guess, complicated to explain, but I'll see what I can do. So traditionally, if something is not confined by AppArmor, it gets given this, so called unconfined policy which essentially allows everything doesn't block anything and therefore means it's not being mediated it just allows it to just behave as it normally would however there's now a new unconfined flag and the idea of that then is that you can say i want this thing to essentially behave like it was unconfined but then perhaps to give it additional permissions now that might sound odd because i just said that unconfined means that something isn't blocked from doing anything but actually uh, in newer kernel versions uh, AppArmor supports the ability say to disable un or to to enforce that unprivileged user namespaces are not able to be used by things that are unconfined and the idea then is with this unconfined flag is you can give a profile the unconfined flags so that it's allowed to essentially do anything at once uh, except maybe it's not allowed in this case to use unprivileged user namespaces but then you go and give it say the user ns permission in the profile and then it can use user namespaces so it's a way then of essentially defining policy uh, for uh, an application so that it can use unprivileged user namespaces, but then it's not blocked from doing anything else that it ordinarily would do. Uh, a nice kind of, uh, I guess, way of um, you know, designating just those things on your system that should be allowed to use unprivileged user namespaces. And that's important because that's actually the kind of thing that we're looking at implementing uh, for Ubuntu 23.10, uh, the uh, Mantic Minotaur, I believe. So yeah, I will talk about that a bit more uh, down the track on the podcast. But uh, yeah, so that's it kind of for profile flags so AppArmor 4 also supports mediating some new things so that includes um, fine-grained mediation of POSIX message queues uh, previously uh, in AppArmor you couldn't define anything there so it wouldn't block the use of POSIX message queues but now the idea is that you can define policy around the use of POSIX message queues and therefore you know if you don't have that listed in your policy it would then be denied that it also as I say can work with user namespaces and we've talked about that a few times but again the ability to mediate then the use of user namespaces and in the particularly in the case of uh, unprivileged username spaces and finally uh, the ability to mediate the access to IOU ring which is I guess as we've even seen in today's podcast uh, a vulnerability there that could have been triggered through the use of IOU ring so yeah the ability to mediate that uh, will be really good as well. 
And there's a few other minor changes as well coming in App Armor 4. So the ability to filter the output of AA status uh, directly in AA status. So AA status is a utility for kind of giving you a status uh, of what things are using App Armor. So what profiles you've got loaded, what processes are confined by those profiles, that kind of thing. There's also a new utility called AA load, which is used to load uh, pre-compiled or cached binary policies. So in App Armor, you're probably familiar of defining a policy as like a text file basically. Uh, you then run AppArmor parser against that. It both compiles that into a binary and then loads that into the kernel. And so the idea of this AA load is that you can pre-compile your policy into binaries and then you can use just AA load to load those pre-compiled binaries into the kernel. And finally, uh, AppArmor parser has now been given the ability to run uh, as an unprivileged user. The idea there is that you, you can invoke it as an unprivileged user at the moment, but you can really only do that to kind of syntax check a profile. If you actually want to compile that profile, you need it to be root, but you know, that doesn't make sense. Obviously, if we want to compile it just into a binary to then store on disk, uh, you now can do that. And then later on, you can say use something like AA load to load that into the kernel, or you can use AppArmor parser itself to load that into the kernel. But obviously, to load it into the kernel, you still need to be privileged. You still need to be root basically so yeah there are a few new uh, additions that will be coming with our armor 4 and we do hope uh, to have a release of that in the next week or two and then to land that into uh, the current development release 2310 ubuntu mantic minotaur so yeah watch out for that if you are running the develop release uh, what else? And yeah, there's also some fixes coming uh, on the kernel side of AppArmor. So uh, John has sent a pull request up to Linus uh, to land those, hopefully for the 6.5 kernel. Uh, and so you've yeah, got a link to that in the show notes as well. Bunch of small fixes all over the place uh, for AppArmor in the kernel as well. All right. And that is it for this week's episode. Uh, as usual, if you want to get in contact with us about anything you've heard here today or anything else Ubuntu security related, you can email us security at ubuntu.com. We also hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on libera.chat and we are on Mastodon. We are at Ubuntu security at fosterdon.org there as well. So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got you back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.